Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen, and get ready to level up. Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me special guest, Josh Thomas. Now, here's the crazy thing. We have a lot of mutual friends, but we're, we were talking right before the episode. We're like, how do we connect? We didn't even really know. But for Josh, for the listeners that don't know much about you, tell us a little bit about your background. You have a podcast. You do a bunch of different stuff. But give us a little bit of background about who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure thing. You know, what I what I really love to do is I like to lurk in the background for people that have podcasts and I'm like, hey, you should let me get on your show, man. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, other than that, I am an entrepreneur. I have been for the last 15 years and uh, five of them reasonably successful. Uh, the first 10 was like a, uh, like a really dark cloud bad dream kind of situation. But I, you know, I think we all kind of go through that and we all get out of it in our own time. Some take longer than the others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the entrepreneurial journey. You get to deal with yourself each and every day and learn about yourself and it just, you know, happens. That's right. Uh, and so uh, talk to me a little bit about the, the 150 K. Why isn't it a hundred K? Um, 150 K puts you in the top 10% of income earners in the world. So that's the difference. Top 30% is 100K. And if you're at 200%, you're in the top 5%. So the whole idea of this podcast is simply this, to help people get to step one so that they can start building their dreams life by design. So that's kind of where we got that idea from. Awesome. Well, I love it. You know, it's part of, uh, part of the, uh, the reward of the entrepreneurial journey is leveling yourself up beyond all of the things that you to- you were told you were allowed to achieve. And I, I can certainly relate to the fact that growing up in a, a uh, fairly rural area of Eastern Kentucky, uh, you know, the, the thought of making $150,000 in a year, uh, you know, that was like super baller money. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was meant for other people who weren't me, probably like doctors and stuff, I guess. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of the thinking at the time. Yeah. No, I grew up in the Midwest. I understand you go to work and like that was like a far off thought. But then I started getting into the entrepreneurial space. I got into sales and, you know, life happens. And then once you get to that point, you're like, wait a minute, this isn't really as hard as they make you think it is. I mean, there's work and stuff involved, but like you've been in, you've been in the entrepreneurial world for, you said what, 15 years now? That's right. So, and I know you said the first 10 years was kind of like a trial and error, start, stop, start, stop. And then it started getting better. What were some of the key changes you made or learned along the way that helped you go and start breaking that barrier and start, you know, being successful? I'll tell you one key moment that really stands out to me. And it has a lot to do with the nature of this podcast about leveling up, about getting into that top 1%. And I, uh, you know, I, I quit my job back in 2008 and uh, tried to find my way, tried to take the entrepreneurial path at that time. I 
got on the internet and typed in something dumb like how to make money online. Or <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, spoiler alert, I did not find the answer that quickly and easily, but I did find a lot of people that were talking. Mm-hmm. And so I started listening and I started tinkering and trying and, and getting into this thing and that thing. And I was learning a lot, but I wasn't actually making any progress. I wasn't making any money. I was just getting really smart. And uh, pretty soon I realized that uh, being really smart was not going to pay my rent and it was not going to pay down my credit card debt that I was amassing by buying all these programs that I wasn't actually implementing. Uh, and so I had to go and get a job and, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really get, it was, it was like the, the height of the economic crash. I couldn't really find a decent job or any job really. I think at one point I was applying to be an assistant, uh, to a gas station owner and I didn't even get that job, man. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but the only job I could get was a sales job. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know anything about sales. That was the problem. Uh, fortunately, uh, my first sales trainer, his name was Nate Brooks. And Nate taught me how to sell. Mm-hmm. And that was a skill that I'd never had before. And I leveraged it into the next job and the next job. And then I started growing from there, but it was still a job. And uh, I promise I'm getting to the point here real quick, but uh so I, I worked in this one job for about six years, four of which were fruitful. And the last two were like, I probably shouldn't be here anymore, mm-hmm. but I stayed and I stayed because I was scared yeah. because I had this, I had a little status. I had some comfort. I was making more money than I'd ever made ever, even though it wasn't that much, but I felt like if I walk away from this, I'm never going to be able to replace this income or this status. I'm never going to be able to get back here. And so those last two years, it was pretty rough. I mean, things just got kind of difficult. The boss and I were not seeing eye to eye, but I stuck it out. And then finally, one day he got on the phone. He's like, Josh, we're at the end of the road. And he fired me. Mm -hmm. Sears. And I'm starting over again. And I'm like, all right, uh, what am I going to do? So old me, at that point, I had actually grown quite a bit. Old me would have just said, screw it. Went and got like one of those ice cream cakes from Baskin Robbins, Mm -hmm. like a pint of bourbon and just like, just get trashed and blitzed and sugar high. And uh, that's what I would have done. I would have just ruined myself, you know? Yeah. Yep. Uh, but for whatever reason, I, I was on, I was reading this book called Four Hour Body by Tim Ferriss. And and I was following his diet plan at the time. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to change me. I'm not going to ruin me because of this guy's problem. That's his problem. I'm going to stay on and do my thing. I'm going to stay focused on what's important to me. And within 24 hours, by making a handful of phone calls, I picked up a consulting gig that paid at least what I was getting at that job Mm -hmm. and rode that job for about, uh, rode that contract for about six months and it kind of fizzled out. And then I picked up another one 
that I that I kept for about five years. Mm-hmm. And that last consulting gig eventually tripled my income. Yep. And, you know, coming back to the point, what was that big change? The big change was I embraced the fact that I did not know what was going to happen tomorrow. And I went out and I asked for what I was worth. And it took me a little while, but eventually I got it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it took me 10 years to gain the courage to even embrace the fear and then to have that courage to ask for what I was actually worth. And you know what? The first time I asked for what I was worth, I freaking got it, Joe. Yep. yep. Well, but she, you, you said a bunch of key things there. First and foremost, you know, you were doing the J-O-B. You knew there was something more, but you were even, even in that, process leveling up learning growing and then it came to a point to where you were too scared so god the universe opened it up and said hey guess what you got to go and you got fired from that one job but at that point you didn't revert back to the old patterns and habits like most of us would do you had leveled up enough to say no i'm gonna bet on myself that's all i got you did that and then you started growing and moving forward to the point where you are now but you also said something that i think a lot of people are afraid of They're afraid to ask for what they're worth because either one, they don't know what they're worth or two, they've been taught or trained always that you have to be humble or you can't ask for that or that's too much or you're being greedy. And in reality, if you're bringing value in a skill set that someone needs, you're worth what you're getting paid. Like if you're bringing more sales for that company or more insight for them or whatever it is skill that you're doing, you know, you're worth that value. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs deal with like what I would call imposter syndrome. You know, they're like, well, yeah, this is easy for me. Well, what's easy for you might not be easy for someone else. And if you can train them and help them, you're golden. So I I like that a lot. Here's an exercise. If you don't know what you're worth, it's actually pretty objective depending on how you spend your time and what your income is. Uh, I'll give you the 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 formula here. Uh, you just you take your annual salary if you have a job. Take your annual salary, and we we have to assume that you're working forty hours a week, and that you have you know regular you know holidays and that sort of thing. Maybe you take a sick day here and there, whatever. Um, and so the the number is nineteen twenty. That's how many hours you're working in a year. Mm-hmm. And so I looked this up recently. The average entrepreneur. The average entrepreneur uh, earns about $86,000 a year. And so you take that and you divide it by 1920 and it comes out to $44.80 per hour. Mm -hmm. So if you're an average entrepreneur, that's what your time's worth. If you're making $86,000 a year, you're trading your hours for $44.80. Now, the first step to really asking what you're worth is understanding objectively how much you're worth right now and how much, and and what is the disparity between how much you're actually worth and how much you believe that you're worth? What is that disparity? Because I've seen so many people say, well, I charge a thousand dollars an hour for my time and blah, 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 blah. You know, I've seen that a bunch of times. 
but then I've seen them perform activities that are worth nowhere near a thousand dollars, like checking email, like answering their phone, like scheduling appointments. That's a $10 an hour task. If your time is worth a thousand dollars, you just threw 990 bucks out the window by checking your email. Mm -hmm. So if you want to increase the value of your time, part of what you have to do is you have to get stuff off of your plate to leave space for that higher value task that you're performing. Yeah. So here would be the thing, because I know a lot of people listening to this are either in the business world, sales, B2B, or like I would say probably first time entrepreneurs or maybe newly down the road. We probably have some that have been a little bit longer, but just kind of where I get the gauge for my audience. So how do they go from, because I understand the concept of you need to do that, but they need to generate money in the beginning so that they can actually pay someone so that they can bring their value up. How do they get through that process or how did you go through that process, Josh? Well, like I said, the first 10 years were dark Mm -hmm. uh, because I was focusing on creating the best product. If you build it, they will come. Which does not happen. And I built a lot of things. Guess what, Joe? They didn't come. Nope. Not at all. And it's not that they didn't like me. It's that they couldn't see me. They didn't know I existed. And so if you're if you're trying to get money, you need to go and ask people for money. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get out of being worth $44.80 per hour, which is the average entrepreneur, and you might even not even do doing that good, uh, you have to go out and find people who have a really burning need and offer to solve that need for them. And then you need to ask them for money in exchange for your solution. Mm-hmm. And, and that's as simple as we can get. Uh, I would say that the number one reason that somebody is struggling right now and is not at the level that they want to be is not because they have not built a great machine is not because they don't have an awesome message or or an amazing product. It's because they're not in the do zone. They're not doing the things that need to happen in order for them to get results. It's inaction, Joe. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I challenge. I mean, I challenge anybody who's listening right now. If you go and you assess, what did I do today? What did I do? to move the needle forward and grow my business? What did I actually do? How much money did I bring in? How many sales did I convert? How many prospects did I ask for the sale? How many opportunities to grow myself and my business did I create today? Most of you won't want to answer because you'll be embarrassed about it. And that's I'm calling you out gently and respectfully with love but you got to face reality sometimes that the number one reason that you're not where you are is because you're not consistently taking the actions that are going to get you there. And once you start doing that, don't worry about what happens after that. Just get up every day and keep doing it and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. No, I, I see that all the time. Like, cause I still am in corporate America. I do do sales training on the side. 
I'm starting like, you know, to build my business and everything out. But like, even in my sales job, I see people that won't put the work in or they won't make the calls. They don't do the stuff or they wait till the last minute and they wonder why they have nothing there. Well, if you're not doing the work consistently every day, you're not going to get there, whether it's in corporate America or in your business or whatever you're doing you're not going to be successful if you're not doing the thing, like you said, asking for the sales, setting up appointments, doing money-making activities. And then, like you mentioned, you know, then you transfer the non-money-making activities to people that you can pay 10 bucks an hour for, and it frees up your time. There you go. That's what it is. I mean, it, it's success is simple. It's doing boring processes. A lot of times people don't want to do that actually have an outcome that you can predict. But the problem is, is everyone wants this fancy wow or this get discovered. And in reality, the people that get discovered typically have been trying and testing and doing a bunch of different stuff for 5, 10, 15 years. And then you just are seeing the one time it worked that got like that big boom. You know, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So you now I know you've talked to a lot of different successful people because you have a podcast as well called uh, what is the name of your podcast again? It's called The Do Zone. The Do Zone podcast. Uh, some of our mutual friends have been on there. But from what you've heard people say with success, life, and all, because success leaves clues, is, is that what you see with the ones that are successful, that they have a set plan in place, that they're moving the needles in their business forward to be successful? Uh, set plan? No. You know, I would love it for it. I would love for it to be that clean. Because, you know, we could put that into a picture book and, you know, you and I could clean up man. it's like, here, follow these three steps and you'll be successful. But what it really comes down to is you nailed it earlier about doing boring things a whole lot. Mm -hmm. uh, the people that I talk to that are mega successful, uh, there are a couple of things that they have in common. Uh, the first thing they have in common is hypervigilant consistency. They are hyper-conscious of the fact that they need to be consistent in whatever they do. And then the other secret that I've seen to success is they need to get themselves into the right room mm -hmm. around the right people. I, uh, I interviewed, uh, I interviewed, I don't know when this podcast will come out, but uh, one of my recent guests was Tanner Chittister. Uh, and Tanner runs an eight-figure company called Elite CEOs. And the conversation that I had with Tanner, and I asked some of these questions to him. And the if I had to go back and like really pinpoint the reason he was successful, there were two of them. The first one was he was not willing to accept mediocrity, mm -hmm. as in, he he would he he said at one point I would rather be homeless than continue being where I'm at. So he had this maniacal drive to be more than he was. And I would challenge absolutely any person that is listening right now. Do you have that maniacal of a drive to do whatever it takes to create the success and results that you desire? Because if you don't, go get a job mm -hmm. because you're not going to get there. Yeah. And then the second thing that, that Tanner said that really stood out to me was he started doing the things that actually worked. 
a lot of times we keep trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to be cute. You know, uh, Tanner made his first million dollars in the fitness industry. And, you know, you, you look like a guy that's somewhere in his forties ish like mm -hmm. me. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you, you spend any time on Facebook, some greased up muscly guy is going to slide into your DMS and be real concerned about, you know, your fitness routine all of a sudden, you yeah. know, <laughs> all, all the fitness bros yep. and ladies, I'm sure there's a lady version of that. Um, but it's, it's rampant for the dudes, you know, and it's horrible. It doesn't work, but it's the only thing they know. I don't know who's teaching them that. Uh, but that's like the low rent way. That's like the, the dumb way. That's like the, I'm going to grab a hammer and start hammering way. I guess it, I guess it works or people wouldn't do it. But Tanner realized like, man, I'm burning myself up cold DMing people and just to try to make a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. And so he took all the money he had and he went and paid somebody to teach him how to run Facebook ads. Yep. Because that's how you grow a business by advertising. Mm -hmm. Right. And so first you must have a maniacal drive to be successful and not let anything get in your way. Now, don't be an asshole. Don't be mean or neglectful of your family, et cetera, et cetera. But you really need to do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, you need to do the thing that's going to work, not necessarily the thing that's easy and convenient. Yeah. Because it may be hard and it may be expensive, but it's hard and expensive for a reason. It works. That's why people do it. And that's why not everybody's successful because the things that work sometimes are hard and expensive and they're a little bit out of reach and success is not guaranteed. And you have to be willing to take on that healthy risk tolerance. Yeah. Well, Those I, are the two things that stand out to me. Yeah, no, I would agree. Like with the people I've talked to, like I had Tony Watley on and we talked about that type of stuff. A lot of times I think people love the idea of being an entrepreneur. They don't understand that it's a lot of boring days, a lot of hard work, a lot of like you said, grinding it out, doing the things you need to do, but doing the right things, not just like you said, code DMing people and it not working. Like I get code DMs all day long from the fitness bros to the crypto bros to the whatever the new flavor of the month is. And I'm like, I do sales for a living. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Like no one's training them at all how to do it. Like there's a way you can go into someone's DM and actually be successful, but it's not what's coming into <laughs> my DM world. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Businesses market, businesses advertise, businesses have a product or service that will help people fill a need, and businesses sell their stuff. A lot of times we just have the idea they want the Lambo, they want the car, they want the girl, or they want the guy, whatever, but they don't understand. There's a lot of work. Entrepreneurship is not exciting. I don't know if they caught this, but maybe they should listen. You said the average entrepreneur makes about $86,000 a year. That's average right. sales guys, roughly around that same, that same level. You actually have to have a passion to do this. So is it, did you, do you believe that you were born an entrepreneur or you just kind of went into it or, so I know there's always that concept of somebody saying people are only born to be business owners or they're not. What, what, what's your thoughts on that? No, I don't think so at all. Uh, I, I'm sure that there's some sort of nature versus nurture debate to be had on this. But from everything that I've ever seen in my life, in my childhood and college, uh, I was a teacher for a while. I went to college. I got a degree. I got a job in the school system. 
you know, uh, no part of that creates any sort of appetite for entrepreneurship, except for the fact that I'm just not making that much money. Yeah. And they pay you just enough to where it's like, well, same thing, same situation that I went through. I was getting paid just enough to where I was like, well, if I leave this job, I'm I'm walking away from a ton of security. Mm-hmm. I had insurance. I had benefits. Uh, it was not a lot of money, but it was more than I could make doing other things. Uh, and so it was just enough to keep me there. And I always kind of started feeling like, well, all these people that are really wealthy, I guess that's not me. I guess I'm not made for that. That was somebody else had that opportunity. And I guess it was just the luck of the draw for me that I'm just going to be a, you know, a state employee forever, you know, and until it was just like, I can't take this anymore. And it was Mm -hmm. time to walk away. Um, And then that's when, that's when I realized that there was limitless potential and opportunity. Uh, I just couldn't grab any of it because I didn't know how. Yeah, or it's like, I wouldn't take the actions. Yeah. Wait, but you, you sometimes you have to step into it and get a little taste of it. And you mentioned something earlier about getting in the right rooms and stuff. So I think sometimes we get the idea, we get the taste. Like when I fell into sales, I was working for a different company and they shrunk and I had to take a hundred percent commission job. I didn't know what I was doing, but I got that first sell. I'm like, holy crap, I just made a grand. And at the time that was crazy impactful to me. Now I'm like, I made a grand, whatever. Cause you know, I've leveled up on it. But I think a lot of times you have to get a little bit of a taste for it of the possibility. Cause like you said, you realize there's unlimited possibilities, but then you're like, well, crap, there's unlimited possibilities, but how do I get some? And then you mentioned going in and getting into the right rooms, the right events. Are you like into masterminds events like that? Or what are you talking about when you say getting in the right room? The, the right room can be any shape, any location, any format. Uh, Masterminds certainly uh, fit that bill when you can get around a group of people that are paying to be there, which means there's a barrier to entry. There's a, there's a password and a special knock to get into this room. Mm -hmm. And then those people are gathering together because they want to be around others like them who are pushing them and thinking faster and doing the things that they want to be doing and talking about the things they want to be talking about. That can be a mastermind. It can be an accountability group. It can be a meetup. It can be any number of things. But the the biggest problem that we face as entrepreneurs is isolation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to being in the school system, uh, you know, if you go around talking about how you want to start your own business and, you know, make a million dollars in a year and all that stuff, you're not going to get any support from those guys uh, because they're making like 40 or 50,000 bucks a year and they hate their jobs and they're miserable because they're stuck there raising somebody else's snotty kids Mm -hmm. uh, who don't have any discipline or work ethic and they don't want to be there. And there's a system that is completely broken and it's not serving anyone. And they're just sitting there collecting a tiny paycheck to put up with it. There's no way that they're going to be supportive of you going out there and creating some kind of success in your life. And so what, what are they going to do? They're going to drag you back down. Oh no. I had an uncle that tried to do that once and he ended up broke and homeless. Don't do that. Just stay here. You got security. You got benefits. It'll be fine. And your family's the same way. Yeah. 
that's why you have to get the right people in your corner. Because I noticed that as I've started to go to events or connect with the right groups and all, my ability to go farther, to do more, is better. Because again, you know, like you said, entrepreneurship can be lonely. And if you don't have the right people in your corner, it's not just you're building your business. Now you're dealing with maybe it is family. Maybe it is people that you're working with because you haven't launched all the way out. It, it, it's it's not as glamorous as what people always seem to try to make it look like. They see the movies and they think it's like this glamorous thing. No, it's you're building your life. You're taking a risk on yourself. But when you do it right, you win and then you can do all these crazy cool things. So I, it's the difference between do you and, – and I think you would agree with me on this, Josh. Do you want security or do you want freedom? That's really the choice I see with it for the most part. Which one do you want? And the more I get older, the more I look into it, the more I want freedom. Like, I don't want to be bound by what, you know, people say I should or can't do, you know, that's, that's just not a concept that makes sense to me anymore. What does security really provide you anyway? All it provides you, like, at least for my thought process is it makes you stay in fear. Really? Like, look at anything when it comes down to it. If you want security you're giving up something whether it's like say you're going to go and jump out of a plane and you have a parachute you know you have to have the ability to jump out and do something same thing with any anything that comes down to it it's just limiting i almost like in my mind now it's almost to me like i don't want security it's like a limiting belief it's like it's just going to hold me back for this little thing that i supposedly should want and i probably don't even want it you know maybe my grandma wanted it maybe build on the street wants it, but I don't think that's something I want. I mean, what, what does it mean to you? That's just where my mind just went with it. When I think of security, I think of somebody, you know, we've been on sales calls and sales situations. You make this offer. This is the exact thing. This is the exact thing that I need. This is exact solution to my problem. I'm ready to do this. Okay. Well, it's X amount of dollars. Oh, now, oh, hey, yeah. I'm just, maybe I'll, you know, I got to talk to my wife. Uh, you know, I got some projects that I got to take care of. And, uh, you know, I don't know if now's the right time, man. I got to think about this. And, and what I see when that happens is, first of all, that is, that is a psychological trigger in your brain. It's your fight or flight mechanism. And you're trying to avoid the discomfort of making a decision and a commitment that is going to put you in a position of risk mm -hmm. because it's going in and contrary to your, your uh, feelings of security. And so what I see, what I visualize when somebody does that is I see, okay, I'm going to go over here off in the distance because that is far away from this threat. I'm going to say, why don't we talk in two weeks? And I see them go over there into that two-week thing. And meanwhile, their resources are diminishing because money is worth less in two weeks than it is now. And their momentum is less than it is now. And so imagine that you're in this big room and we meet and I give you an opportunity to take full control of this room. And you say, I'm not really sure if I'm ready with that. Okay, cool. But every day that you wait, I'm going to cut off like 10% of this room. Yep. And you keep waiting, you keep waiting. And pretty soon you're backed into a corner and 
by the time it's you're ready to make the decision, you're out of resources, you're out of leverage, you have no negotiating power. And it's either like, look, you either need to take my deal or get the hell out of my corner because mm-hmm. I'm taking over. Right. And so when I think about security, security is a is a diminishing asset. Yeah. The definition of security is that you're not worried about a thing, homeostasis, right? And it's going to be constantly consuming those resources around you until you're surrounded by limits that you placed on yourself. Yep. And so it's a little bit of a social construct. It's a little bit of a myth. Whereas freedom in the freedom situation, you're looking and say, hey, look, you can take control of this entire room. Okay, cool. What's it cost? You know, it's a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars, but uh, um, there's probably a way I can find it. How quickly can I make that million dollars back if I give you some of it and make some payments? That's freedom. Mm-hmm. That's freedom to say, you know what? I'm going to figure this the hell out because I believe in me. I'm going to bet on myself to come through on this because I know it's going to work. Anytime I bet on myself, I always win. That's freedom. Yep. And most people are afraid to bet on themselves. That that right there was another golden nugget, golden boulder, whatever you want to say. Because a lot of times people like the opportunity or the idea of it, but they get, like you said, that fight or flight. They get stuck in that indecision. And indecision is going to just make you go backwards because it's not really going to make you go forward. You're just going to fall backwards with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's wild. Like, and I think a lot of times society's just trained that way because for the government, for life, or just in general, most people are stuck in, well, my dad did this or my mom did this, or my family did this. And this is the little boundaries I have. And as entrepreneurs, like Alex Sharpton says, we go out into the future and we create things and bring it back into the now and say, hey, this is how it should be. So, I mean, there is definitely a different mindset shift there. Do you have any like books or resources or anything you suggest for people that are trying to maybe break that, I guess, fear block or shift or? Uh, yeah, I can make two very specific recommendations. Uh, and for those of you not seeing my video here, I have a little bookshelf behind me and there's a handful of books. Uh, one of them is called The Miracle Equation by Hal Elrod. And uh, that is a book that should be required reading for any entrepreneur. Uh, and basic, basically, the premise is uh, we need to set goals, but we don't need to be worried about actually achieving the goal. But in, instead, we need to focus on becoming the type of person who can accomplish that goal. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that, then your result is just a matter of time and effort. Uh, So that's one I would highly recommend that book. And then the other one uh, right here on my shelf is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Great book, yep. And uh, and very specifically, there's a section in this book, and there's an article about this that you can read online for free uh, if you just Google motion versus action. Uh, and it is the concept of motion being this preparatory work, this getting ready, this learning stage, all of these things that you do to create motion and feel like you're getting things done. Mm-hmm. And the problem is motion doesn't create results. Motion creates motion. 
yep. energy. The only thing that creates results are action. And action requires you to take a step to do a thing. That's really what the entire do zone was based on. You know, I read James's book and I thought, this is amazing. I think that I can get more granular with this and explain it in a way that a specific audience can understand. Uh, but he's one of my idols. Haven't gotten him on the podcast yet, but I'm going to do it. You should. Yeah. No, I love that book. I read it actually earlier this year. I went through the book and I'm like, holy crap. And I have it on my list to read next year because it's not one of those books that you just read once. Definitely right. on Atomic Habits. And then if I'm looking right, do you also have Never Split the Difference on your bookshelf? Oh, yeah, man. You yeah. got a you got an eagle eye. Yeah, <laughs> I love that book. I love that book. That that's that gets into, but again, sales is my world. I'm like, I'm in the sales world. And a lot of the stuff he talks about in Never Split the Difference is just it's good for life application in general, but sales for sure. Well, it has to do with relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, Chris Voss was an FBI hostage negotiator for like 20 or 30 years. And uh, this book is about all of the different techniques and strategies he would use to win negotiations with terrorists to get hostages released. Yep. Uh, and it's fascinating because all he's doing is pressing buttons in people's minds that are soothing their psychological triggers. And it's not like super manipulative or anything. It's just disarming people really mm -hmm. and, and helping them realize, I understand that you're afraid. It's okay to be afraid, but you're safe. Yep. And, and if you can do that effectively with people, then you can write your own check. Now you have a strong responsibility to not be an asshole. Yes, 100%. but at that point, you can write your own check in any situation by just helping people understand that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Going back to the very first topic we discussed here on this podcast, coming full circle, the reason that we don't succeed as entrepreneurs is because we're afraid. Mm -hmm. If I can help you eliminate that fear, then I become an asset to you. And if you can learn to help other people eliminate their fear, you become an asset to them. Yeah. No, I love that. And just to, to your point on that book and all, when I teach people on sales and stuff, I'm like, you can do this, but you need to be moral. You need to be ethical and you need to have your customer's best interest in mind. Then you can win and write your best checks. Because I've met the people that can do that and are not moral and not ethical and we don't want to deal with that because that's just not good. That's not how that's not how we uh we succeed in life. You know, I want to make sure everyone wins. There's enough pie. You know, you don't have to just take anyone's pie. There's enough pie for everybody. But I love that. So, Josh, where can people find you? I know you have the podcast, but besides podcast, where can people find you? Yeah, sure. If you want to listen to my podcast, you can go to thedozone.com. Uh, and you can just click on any link there, or you can go to the dozone.com slash podcast straight to the page. And you can subscribe there on Apple and Spotify. I think we're on Stitcher as well. Uh, and then uh, I also, uh, Joe, this may be interesting to you and your audience, but I have created a personality profile assessment for entrepreneurs. Uh, and I have aptly named it the do zone DNA. 
And uh, what it does is the the do zone DNA uh, helps give you a crystal clear picture of, of how you get stuff done so that you can build the world around you for optimal performance. And so it's a series of questions. Uh, if you've ever taken the Myers-Briggs or something mm -hmm. like that, it's a very similar kind of format. It's going to spit out a customized response for you that's going to be your specific do zone DNA uh, with recommendations that are catered towards how you tend to operate. Um, and so if uh, anybody is interested, you can go to dozonedna.com and you can sign up and take that test. Yeah, no, that definitely interests me because I met I meet a lot of different entrepreneurs. I go to a lot of different events. I have a lot of people on my show and there's certain threads that are together, but there's so many different personalities and styles and types and how they do things. So that's definitely interesting. What other words of wisdom, thoughts, ideas do you have for our listeners here that maybe we haven't touched on yet? That's a very broad question, Joe. You're going to have to be more specific. Um. <laughs> Any insight as an entrepreneur? I know we talked about mindset. We talked about overcoming fear. We've talked about writing our own checks. We talked about knowing our numbers in the fact that most entrepreneurs are worth $44 and we want to be worth a lot more than that. What other, anything else that maybe we haven't touched base on? Well, let's, let's go on that last point for a moment. Like, Money really has nothing to do with success, but it sure is a great tool to help you get there. And so a lot of us are really focused on creating that financial freedom because financial freedom helps lead us to time freedom. Mm -hmm. And so what does financial freedom look like? If you're an average entrepreneur and you're making $44 an hour, what do you need to be doing in order to feel free. Identify that. Write it down. What is the level of income you need to be at in order for you to really, truly feel free? How many hours are you working? How much money are you making? What does your life look like? Identify that specifically. Leave no stone unturned. Be as detailed as possible. When you start writing things down, it becomes a lot easier to realize them. And I'm not realizing like, oh, I realize this. Realizing as in make it real. Yeah. If it's just this kind of gooey, massive, strung together thoughts that you occasionally daydream about in between, you know, your smoke breaks at work, it's never going to be real. But if you write it down, and you start doing things with intention to create it, then it starts to become possible. Mm -hmm. There was this one point where, uh, you know, I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life. And I started realizing if I check my email, it's costing me like literally if I check my email like throughout the day and respond to emails and set appointments, and let's say that takes a few hours, it's literally costing me like $1,500 a day. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and not because, not because, well, if 
if I don't check my email, I'll make an extra 1500 bucks. But if I don't check my email, I will have the brain space and capacity available to go and be productive at that level. Mm-hmm. And, and when you write things down you're like, all right, I want to make a million dollars this year. That's $83,000 a month. That's if you work, uh, if you work five days a week, that's about, uh, what is that? $4,000 a day. Mm-hmm. Now, if you need to make $4,000 a day and you're looking at your schedule, how many activities are you doing during the day that are assisting you in making $4,000 that day? Okay. And if there's an activity that you're performing that is not leading you to that goal, if it's written down, you can see it and you can remove it. Yep. And, and it might be, you know, happy hour with the boys. You know, it might be going out to the movies. It might be watching Netflix. It might be checking your email. It might be any number of things. But if you're trying to get to a million dollars, that's about $4,000 a day on an eight-hour uh, workday, working five days a week. What does your life look like to get to $4,000 a day? Are you doing that? Are you living that life? Because if you're not, the only way you're going to see that is to get real specific about it. And that works for any goal that you have. If you If you make it concrete, you can realize it. Yeah. No, I love that. It, it makes sense. And I like the practical application you know i think a lot of times people like you said they have that smoke break daydream but they don't realize that they need to actually go and figure out okay what do i want to accomplish and then reverse engineer it so that i can have set metrics that i can actually get there yep now that's awesome man thank you again for being on the show appreciate you and for all of you listening share this episode with someone and until next time i'm joe graham host of 150k podcast we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Thank you for listening to the 150K podcast. Remember, your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.